of Mark. And so we've been doing a series called Questions and Answers with Jesus in the book of Mark. So each week we're looking at some place or other where uh, Jesus is asked a question or several questions or where maybe Jesus himself asks a question. And we're looking at how he answers these, how he responds to these. So this week we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. So I'm going to read that for us. Uh, It's kind of a long passage, but I think it's worth it, of course. And uh, we'll read this and pray and then uh, see what the Lord has for us tonight. Mark 7, 1 through 23. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Please reveal yourself to us in it tonight. Please give us your spirit. Give me your spirit, Lord, as I speak about this, and give us all your spirit to hear your word and understand it, to see you more clearly and know you more truly and to obey you more wholeheartedly. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, Okay, before I begin, I almost forgot. You may have noticed there's another old guy here tonight. Uh, His name is Jason. Jason's right back there. Jason is my boss, and he's going to be in town uh, tonight and tomorrow, kind of hanging out with me and checking in on stuff, giving me talking to's and things like that. 
Um, so if you have any problems, you can take them up with Jason. He's here tonight to handle complaints and things like that. Okay, so we're doing the, do I? Or good things. That would be great if you guys said good things. I would love if you guys said some good things. Okay, that would just make my week. I can't get my kids to build up, uh, you know, my hollow sense of self quite enough, so I really need somebody else to do that for me. So please say something to him and also make sure you relay it to me as well. In writing would be great. Uh, okay, so uh, like I said, we're, we're talking about questions that have been asked to Jesus. Well, uh, the question here that the, the Pharisees come and ask to Jesus is, why don't your disciples wash their hands? So we've had a lot of questions asked of Jesus so far this semester. This may seem like kind of the most like basic and straightforward in some ways. Uh, like, why aren't they doing this really simple thing? And it might seem gross to us because of what we know about germs and stuff, but that's actually not at all what's going on here for the Pharisees. They're much more concerned with uh, being ritually clean, not with germs, but with being ritually clean. So I think this gets us to two questions, and I'll kind of explain how it gets us there as we go on. But I think the two questions it answers for us that we have today are these. Uh, Is action or desire wrong? I know that's like a weird question, but I'll address that in just a second. The other question is this, how can I be holy? How can I be holy? Okay, so on this first one, is action or desire wrong? Um, This was an actual question that was asked to me several times last year by some of you. Uh, And it was asked basically like this, uh, in my own words, just to be clear. This, This wasn't exactly the wording, but is it wrong to do gay things or to be gay? Um, and put that way and that straightforward, it seems probably like really harsh. Uh, I'm just trying to ask what, or say what was asked of me though. And I appreciate that question actually, because I think, I think the reason it was asked is because it's coming from people who really want to walk through that issue with other people or maybe with themselves or trying to figure out what's going on. And I think that that's a much better approach, right? To kind of consider uh, and, and think about what's behind action and, and what's in the heart rather than just uh, jumping to say that we know the Bible says this thing is wrong. But I think that that question stops short. Why not ask that same question about any sin? Why not ask if any sin is wrong in its action or in the desire to do it? Why do we ask that question about other people's issues and not our own? We've got to think, was chewing out my roommate about dirty dishes a sin? Or is just generally being angry a sin? Was looking at porn yesterday a sin? Or is just generally being lustful a sin? Why don't we ask that question very often? So tonight I'm going to say that the more general question is this. uh, What's wrong with me? Is it my actions or something else? What's wrong with me? Okay, so we've already talked about um, how the problem with us is sin. We've we've actually addressed that already this semester. A couple of times. 
Uh, and I know you love to come out and be cheered up on a Tuesday night by talking about sin uh, over and over again. Uh, but it's important that we address this, okay? So we've already addressed this. Uh, we've said the problem with people is sin. The problem in the world is sin in individuals' hearts. But Jesus takes us deeper in this passage than just saying that that's the problem. We already know that's what's wrong with us. But now we get to see the extent of it. So in this passage, Jesus is with his disciples, like I said. And, and his, his disciples apparently don't do this hand washing that the Pharisees do. And they're upset because they're not keeping, the disciples are not keeping these ritual laws that have been set up by the Pharisees. So what may be helpful to know here is who the Pharisees are. We haven't gotten to that yet in this, in this gospel or in this series. Pharisees were a group of people in ancient Israel uh, who really studied God's law in depth, right? And in some ways, they would have been kind of like pastors and theologians of our day, except I hope none of us are Pharisees. Uh, Pharisees studied God's law, but they studied it often to see how far they could take it, to see exactly what detail of it they had to keep. And oftentimes, Pharisees and scribes came to conclusions that went beyond God's law. And they did this in order to set up uh, what they would call a hedge around the law, or like a, a, like a line of bushes, a protective uh, block to the, wall, uh, to the law. Something to keep you from even getting close to breaking the law. And so it's important to know too that these Pharisees, they're actually like the orthodox believers of Jesus' day. Uh, one major dispute that separated them from the Sadducees that you'll read about in the Gospels as well is that they believed in the resurrection. Christians, we believe in the resurrection. Pharisees believed that uh, there was a supernatural. They believed in God's law uh, needing to be kept. They believed in a lot of right stuff. But they had several flaws that their heart wasn't in it. Their hearts were not in what they were doing. And they pushed the law too far. They set up this hedge, which is not only unnecessary, but wrong. Okay? And then these ritual laws. Uh, maybe you've read about the ritual laws in the Old Testament. Uh, there were all sorts of laws in the Old Testament about how to be clean. And what these had to do with uh, were not necessarily, in all cases, what was sinful but how you came to be clean before God to worship in his presence. And so even where the laws themselves were not uh, about sin and righteousness, right? They teach us about righteousness and sin. And so these ritual laws that the Pharisees want them to keep are not just the ritual laws of the Old Testament. They're not just washings that God had commanded for the temple or washings God had commanded for certain times of year or something like that or a major life event. Uh, they're, they're one of these extra things, one of these traditions that the Pharisees have put on God's law in order to uh, help, big air quotes there, help God's people not break his laws. Okay, so the Pharisees come to Jesus and ask, why aren't your disciples doing what our tradition teaches? And Jesus' response to the Pharisees, it's kind of twofold. First, he basically says, because your tradition is wrong. Your tradition's wrong. 
And we could say a lot more about that uh, if we had time. I don't think any of us want to sit here for like an hour tonight. And then second, he says, your problem is that your heart is far from me. You're hypocrites. Your heart's not in it. You don't love me. You don't love God. Okay, so the problem really is the heart. That's what Jesus is driving them at. We, we could say more, like I said, about uh, verses 1 through 13. But what I w- really want us to see is that the problem is about the heart. And that's what Jesus gets at with the Pharisees here. And so Jesus keeps explaining to the crowd in verse 15. He actually goes on to answer the question that the Pharisees asked. Uh, kind of, although they were asking the wrong question. And he says, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Okay, and then his disciples come and ask him what this means. And he's surprised that they don't seem to get it, right? So he explains more. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters his mouth, uh, sorry, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. But what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, and on and on. All these bad things that he lists, all these bad things that we experience and do. Okay, so we've arrived. This is the point of what we're getting at. The problem between us and God is not the food we eat or the things we drink or the fabric our clothes are made of. All those Old Testament laws were designed to teach us that we are the problem. They are visible representations to us of sin, of how our sin has dirtied us, defiled us, made us unclean and unacceptable to God. Now, you may know, and we're not going to spend a ton of time explaining this tonight, but you may know that we don't practice those Old Testament laws anymore because Christ has fulfilled them. Uh, And we could go on with uh, an explanation of that, but I'll leave it there for tonight. But we don't practice the Old Testament laws anymore because they've already served their purpose in showing us how wrong and how sad and sick and gross we are to God. Okay, so there is something terribly wrong with us, but it's not the things we consume. And look, it's not even just the things that come out of us either. Jesus says they defile you, the things that come out of you defile you, but where do they come from? The things that defile you come from your heart. They come out from you. The problem is that we have wicked hearts. If you're a Christian, have you ever wondered why you just keep sinning? Have you ever been frustrated by that? Jesus says our sins come from our hearts. That gets more complicated uh, for Christians, but I'll, I'll keep on this line of thought for now. Uh, have you ever heard someone who was just kind of trying to be nice about somebody else say, well, God sees their heart. God sees her heart. God sees his heart. He knows what they mean or, or how they feel toward him or something. Well, actually, the problem is that God sees our hearts. See, uh, 
in the Bible, our hearts are not just like these muscles that pump blood through us. Actually, the conception would have been more like our guts. What ancient people meant by hearts, your heart, is the center of your being, the core of your being, what everything else flows from, the spring that your actions come out of. It's what drives you. It's what you value. It's at the center and core of your being. So when we say God looks at our hearts, we should take that to heart. That's a serious thing. The things we do aren't unrelated to our hearts. The things we do come directly from our hearts. You don't get salt water from a mountain river. Have you guys ever been up to like Panther Falls or somewhere? The water is clear and I wouldn't drink it because of the trash, but the water itself, like if you just cup some in your hands, it's clear and cold. It looks like it should be drinkable at least. It's not salt water. Salt water will kill you if you drink it for a long time out in the heat. And you don't get bad water from a good spring. You don't get rotten fruit from a good tree. If you're getting rotten fruit, it means the tree is rotten. Something's wrong at the root of the tree. If you, if you got a cup of nasty water, it means the source was nasty. The well is gross. There's something contaminating the river. Okay. So if we think about this in terms of our own actions... Uh, that one time that you yelled in traffic is not your problem. I yell in traffic sometimes. That's not my big problem. I shouldn't have said that one time because I've done that more than once. If this is confession time, I've yelled many times. And it's not good. Like, that comes from something, right? That one time you had sex with your girlfriend or boyfriend is not your main problem. Even acting on your sinful desires or not acting on on your sinful desires is not the main issue. The bigger problem is actually just that you have those desires. It's that those actions are coming from inside of you. You are a bad person. I love saying that with a smile. When you reach into your bag of relationship tools, right, and pull out anger or screaming, it's not just because you're having a bad day. You responded with what you had. When you get hangry and tell off your roommates or your friends or the person standing in line in front of you, uh, or for me, the person driving 10 miles under the speed limit, I I never actually get to tell them off. I'm just in my car, like, thinking things. Uh, The problem is not that one time it's not if you got hangry and told off your roommate it's not just low blood sugar that's your problem that's a factor you could address by eating you are a person you're a whole person with a body and everything but that's not the issue that's not the main issue the anger is what you have in your heart for dealing with circumstances that you don't like When you're met with a particular circumstance and you reach into yourself to respond to it, what comes out shows you what you're made of. It shows you the type of heart that you have. 
Okay, we have bad hearts. You are bad people. Terrible. But wait, there's good news. Um, your heart being the problem, this is, this is good news, remember. Your heart being the problem means that you are evil at the very core of your being. When we read about the heart in the Bible, it represents our deepest desires, like we said, right? Our will, at the very center of who we are. Those bad actions reveal our hearts, which Jesus says is where all these awful things come from. This means if you're bad, you're bad all the way down. You're crooked deep down. You are rotten. You're incapable of doing anything that can earn God's love because you are that bad. It's not, it's not even a part of who you are to be able to do that, no matter how hard you try or what part of yourself you build up. Okay, why would I say that's good news? Because of this. You can't be good. You don't have to be good. You don't have to earn God's love because it's free. He gives it freely to people who don't deserve it. See, Christianity is not about good people doing good things. It's not even about bad people doing good things. It's about really bad people, really, really awful people being forgiven and restored through the work of Christ. Christianity is not about earning anything. You can't. I want Christians and skeptics who are here tonight both to hear this. Christianity is not about performing for God or other people. It is about God making a way for people who don't deserve it to have a relationship with him. And he's already done that. So coming back to our question of what's wrong with me, and even that question about certain uh, acts being sinful or the desire to do them, the problem is what we do and who we are. That question doesn't go far enough because it's both and more than what the question even asks. So what's wrong with me is that the core of my being, at the core of my being, I don't love God or want to obey God. I don't want to be in relationship with God. I'm just rotten. But the good news is this, that Jesus has died to take our sins on himself. God has given his own son to make us right with him. We often use the word justification here at RUF, and I want you guys to remember that, which is why I repeat it like constantly. And I love to say that justification is not just as if I had never sinned, because that doesn't go far enough. Jesus' death on the cross did not only get us forgiveness for our sins. Even if we lump in future sins, that's not the sum total of justification. The sum total of justification is this, that as 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, our sins were put on him. He became sin. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
it's not just our sins, but our sinfulness that Jesus has paid for. Christ has given us his own righteousness in place of our sinfulness. Not just act, but everything. All of of his good quality, all of his favor with the Father, he has placed it on us who don't deserve it. The cross was where our sins were paid for and where we received all that we need before God. Okay, so there's more good news about being a terrible person. And that brings us to our second question. How can I be holy? Okay, well first, because you're bad, behavior modification won't get you anywhere. It won't change you. Uh, See, these Pharisees, they want to change behavior. They want to work from the outside in. They think that by doing certain things, uh, they can please God or be what they need to be with God. But that's not the case. Being a bad person down at our core means nothing's going to help that or change that. And here's actually the good news about that. It means that we don't have to keep man-made rules about Christianity. Jesus was setting free the people that he was speaking to when the Pharisees left. He says, you guys don't have to keep their ritual laws. That won't help you. You're too bad for that to help you. (laughs) You can't even keep, you can't keep the laws that God gave you. That's plenty hard enough. You don't need to add stuff to it. You don't have to keep their laws. You don't have to keep rules like not drinking. I wanted to give an example of this. Alcohol has never defiled anybody. Plenty of people have defiled themselves with alcohol, but alcohol has never defiled anybody. Now, of course, Jesus is talking about ritual aspects of cleanliness. These Old Testament laws, certain types of meat people are not allowed to eat and things like that. But the point holds true for us, right? There's there's a, a transfer or a principle in play here that it's not what goes into our bodies that makes us not right with God, that makes us unclean. It's what comes out of us. If drunkenness comes out of you, that's a problem. If alcohol goes into you, if beer goes into you, that's not a problem. Um, I wanted to illustrate this uh, to help us see, to help us understand maybe a larger view of our relationship to the world around us and how we don't have to be afraid of it because it can't make us unclean once Jesus has made us clean. What if beer were the president of the United States? Just like a big old can of Budweiser plopped down in the Oval Office. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pretty much Dave Portnoy. <laughs> so so what would happen if beer is sitting in the Oval Office, just a can of beer, a big a big frothy mug of beer sitting in the Oval Office? You know what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens because beer is an inanimate object. And also this, it's not morally good or bad. Beer doesn't start wars. (laughs) Beer doesn't commit adultery. 
Plenty of people have used it to do those things. Plenty of people have used it to get in, fight, in, in fights and defile themselves with it. But we have to understand that there's nothing that going into us can defile us. We do that all on our own. So putting man-made laws on ourselves is not going to help. We can't work from the outside in. And that's good news because it means we're free from silly rules. Okay, really short caveat. You guys still can't drink because you've agreed not to by being at liberty. Uh, most of you, anyway, are at liberty. Um, so there, I said that. Okay. Uh, second. Second, why is this good news? Why is it good news that you're a bad person? Well, if you accept this, you can actually begin living a holy life by asking God to root your sin out of your heart and seeking to love him in your actions instead of trying to impress him with your actions. See, the Pharisees were doing a lot of stuff to keep the law, but they had not even come close to beginning to live a holy life because their hearts weren't in it. They had not turned in repentance to God. They had not sought forgiveness from God. They had not gone to God to give them everything that they need to be right with him. So they continued to try to live on their own, to keep God's rules without God. And so they never came close to living a holy life. If we want to live a holy life, we need to recognize who and what we are. We need to bring that to God. We need to be justified by him, just like we were talking about, made right with him through Jesus. And then we need to let being made right with Jesus drive the train. That's got to lead the way for us. We cannot sanctify ourselves into being justified. We cannot holy ourselves into being made right with God. We're made holy through being made right with God. And it can only work in that direction. That is a one-way arrow, my friends. So, I want to say one more thing about how uh, being awful, truly terrible, and saved by grace can enable us to live a holy life. When we recognize just how bad we are and we, we fall down on Jesus for everything we need with God, we can stop thinking about our performance. We can stop thinking about how well we obeyed or how well we kept God's law or to what extent we did it. This actually has the power to transform our hearts, to give us the type of hearts that want to obey God. When life and death is no longer hanging over you for your own obedience, or when your own pride is not driving you to try to impress God or earn something from him or to show him up, then you're actually freed to live a holy life with full acceptance of the fact that you're going to fail. But you're going to make it a lot farther in obeying God with a heart that actually recognizes his love for you and loves him back when you come to Jesus Christ with nothing in your hands.
with just an evil heart to give to him and ask to be made right with God through his work on the cross. Um, let's pray. And then we didn't do this last week, but uh, in, in the spirit of the question and answer series that we've been doing in Mark, I want to take some questions from you guys. And I will do my best to respond to them. My answers will not be as good as Jesus answers, but I will try. Uh, let's pray. And then we'll take about five to seven minutes for you guys to ask questions. Um, okay, yeah, I'll say more after that. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to believe in the goodness of Jesus because there is nothing we can do to make ourselves right with you, to save ourselves, to be good people. Lord, forgive us. Help us to know the love of Christ in his sacrifice on the cross. Help us to know how we have all of his righteousness freely given to us. And help us to live in accordance with that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I want to give five to seven minutes to this. Please ask anything. It doesn't have to deal with tonight. Um, maybe it doesn't have to be about uh, what I'm riding into my last battle either, if you were here a few weeks ago. Although I appreciated that. Um, my final song, for those of you who weren't here, if I'm riding into a battle against a giant monster, is Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner. Because it's just freaking awesome. That's why. Um, that's how I want to go out. Okay.